0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. a new head coach and boy
2: genius mike mcdaniel the fastest cheetah to ever roam the football field and an actual left tackle let me check your pulse if you're not fired up before we jump into a fresh episode of finsider radio jake and josh want you to please 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 hit that subscribe button if you haven't yet subscribing to the show is the best way to know when jake and josh have something cooking in the kitchen itunes spotify it doesn't matter following helps others find the show and we want to thank you for that now let's talk some dolphins The bell is ringing and class is in session one last time. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh show and it's the Nursery Book Club. Thank you all so much for joining us. We got a big show to talk about. It's all about QB1. We've done seven chapters of our book club and it's all boiled down to this. Training camp has started and we're going to talk to a. But before I do that, I can't talk to a without introducing Josh. Joshua, how are you doing today, buddy?
3: I'm doing good, man. Finally got the kids settled and we get to talk about the dolphins. I wish we had something cool to say about training camp, but I mean, there was nothing. I mean, Tua was hiding, it right? Was I, no one saw <laughs> Tua and I think they're still looking for him. So I guess that was the big thing in the day, but um, dude, I'm stoked to be talking about quarterback one. How's your day been going? Man, I'm tired, but that's, Pulling me right back up. The fact training camp starting. It
2: is like the unofficial start of the season. I know there's probably four or five times you say that throughout the year when free agency begins, when preseason begins. But we are broken records when we talk about this, Josh. The only reason I think we kind of, uh, and step in front of me if you think I'm wrong, but the only reason I think we got involved with Dolphins Media were being uh, anxious Dolphin fans, you know, 10 years ago and wanting to sign up to Twitter to hear about what the beat writers are saying. And, and look at us now.
3: Who would have thought? Mama, the what do they say, <laughs> Mama? <laughs> mama there goes it. that man, yeah, Mama. The, yeah, I was gonna say Mama. There goes that man, but Mama, we made it, right? Um, yeah, that's why I got on Twitter because, um, yeah, I wanted to file the training camp reports. I think it was Tony Sparano was the coach at the time. Um, but you know, all the fans you meet, I mean, it, it really is no one, none of your fans, uh, friends in real life, you know, for the most part, give a crap about the Dolphins. It's nice to be able to go in there and you know vent to people that will listen and love the team as much as you. So big news, I guess, Jake. Um, two things that happened. Uh, the Miami Dolphins announced, I guess it was. Four days ago, they placed Elijah Campbell and Byron Jones on the pup list. And then today, man, they signed 32-year-old Muhammad Sanu, a wide receiver. Uh, before we get into quarterback one, give me your thoughts on those moves because obviously now Noah Igbenogany has a chance to maybe, you know, step up and show his worth at corner. And then Muhammad Sanu, a guy who, you know, has familiarity in this system. So give me your thoughts on those two players, um, one head to the pup and then one that just signed today.
2: Yeah so you actually gave me a really nice refresher about Byron Jones before the show. He had knee surgery in the offseason and instantly the Dolphins were linked to JC Jackson. I think that just goes right there to tell you what free agency is all about and it's about getting that dough. Uh I don't think we have anything to be worried about too, too much with Byron Jones, Josh, but but I think that's a great point you bring up about Noah Ibnagadi. I mean, these snaps are, are so valuable, and they it's what you need to kind of take that next step. So I'm interested to see the tweets about him, especially going against this new Miami Dolphins receiving core that just added Mohamed Sanu. Uh, Josh, I remember a couple of years ago, the Patriots traded a second round pick for him. And I'm, I'm kind of still laughing about that because he didn't do too, too much. Uh, I see this man is as, as kind of just another veteran signing who's kind of like a coach on the field. You know, he might uh, have an impact on the field, but I just see someone who can really translate what Mike McDaniel's trying to accomplish into a way where all the other receivers and maybe even everyone on the offense can really pick up on what he's trying to uh,
3: uh, tell them. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. The coach on the field. I mean, you brought in Sherfield this offseason. You know, Crawcraft, yeah. now Muhammad Sanu. I mean, he's – I don't know that he has anything left in the tank. I mean, we can sit here and laugh. I think he had 15 receptions last season for 177 yards. Again, did have to spend time with Mike McDaniel in San Francisco. I think he also spent time with him in Atlanta. So, um, what's crazy is if you go back to around draft time, I think – CK Parrott posted, you know, he tweeted out a highlight reel of Eric Ezukoma. and he said, you know, this guy reminds me a lot of Muhammad Sanu. So, there it is. Um, you know, so that's a great foresight there, but um, I don't think anybody came on Twitter today. You know, we're sitting there again, waiting for something to come out of camp. I don't think anybody thought, you know, the Dolphins would sign a wide receiver. And if any of them, I guess I don't think it would have been Muhammad Sanu. I mean. I joked Odell Beckham, obviously that price tag is different. He's still hurt, but um, I, I'm intrigued. But I think a lot of it has to do with him being that extra coach on the field and um, maybe pushing some of these younger guys. I mean, I'd be a little bit concerned, though, if, you know, you're now looking at Muhammad Sanu, you know, being your, what, fourth receiver? I mean, does this spell trouble for Preston Williams, do you think? I The second you said looking at that receiver room, I instantly went to Preston
2: Williams. I think that is probably – where he's going to be competing for. Uh, but Josh, that, that's a tale for another day. And that's just the opening the door towards training camp. I don't want to get too far into that hole. This is all about our QB1. One last note before we get into that, we've been getting some DMs. I've gotten a couple emails. If you would like to win a free copy of Madden, Josh, I don't know what these Facebook algorithms are doing to me, but I'm getting so many Madden highlights that I'm getting that itch to you know, just load up that game once just to get me ready for the season. But if you would like to win a copy of madden all you have to do is send us josh or i uh, a screenshot that you're subscribed to the podcast you can dm either of us or you can email me at jmendel 31 at gmail.com pretty simple and, and lastly i gotta add you get two more entries if you leave a review for our book club on itunes with your twitter tagged in it if you can't fit the twitter in, just send me a screenshot of it i certainly understand there and the last note i have on this uh we did get one review i apologize we
3: might swear a little too much and uh we'll try to keep this a kid-friendly place moving forward. Yeah, I want to make sure we apologize for that. We never want to see that. And it's just one of those things that slip up. So uh, we apologize if we offend. <laughs> oh, man, that that was. <laughs> oh, my God. So we apologize if we offended anybody. You mentioned a book club, Jake. Let's just run down the list. Chapter one was on running back Chase Edmonds. Ch- Chapter two, edge pass rusher Jalen Phillips. Then wide receiver Cedric Wilson. Chapter four was Benogany. Chapter five, Hunter Long. Chapter six, Jason Sanders, and Chapter seven. We just went through and did all the rookies, but now we are turning our attention to quarterback one, the fifth overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. Um, Thirteen and eight as a starter went seven and five last year, and I did have to write down here. I mean, I you can't talk about Tua to Tagovailoa without saying they passed on Justin Herbert to take him. Am I right? I mean, again, I'm a big Tua to Tagovailoa supporter, but those two guys are going to be, you know, come. You, they're they gonna be it. linked Those, in a sense, and and Link. I think
2: and I think guys from the Dolphins side kind of have. Uh, I mean, fans maybe the grass is always greener on the other side, right? You know, you're wondering about the the what is the what is, uh, but but today we're really gonna dive into it, Josh. I think it's interesting that Joe Burrow wasn't mentioned in that conversation, and you can get into a little more of the college stuff if you want, but you know, what really hurt. There's the pun. What hurt it was, you know, two ankle surgeries, hip surgery, broken nose, and a concussion as a starter while in college. Breaking news, Josh, football's a physical sport that hip injuries what pushed him down to number five overall. I mean, I think everyone will agree that he was going to go as that first overall pick. Uh, some of his traits coming out of college, Josh, throws uh short intermediate with repeatable accuracy he's he's that point guard he's going to get the ball and he's going to deliver the ball right where it needs to be he had a career touchdown to interception ratio of eight to one he has the arm talent to make all the throws and i think there's a big difference to having a big arm and being able to make every throw And, and then lastly josh the uh he if you want to say the issue, sometimes he failed to recognize easy throws on developing roots. And I think you can even go back last year, his rookie year. There are some plays where you might see someone sprinting over the middle who's wide open and he dumps it off. Or even the other way, he hucks it into triple coverage uh, when someone's running over the middle. But, hey, those things are to be expected with a young quarterback.
3: Yeah, I thought you were going to bring up Joe Burrow and, you know, if Brian Flores took the money and lost those games, the Dolphins would have it had bad. Yeah, I thought that's what you're going with there. But, um, you know, you're right. If Tua doesn't get hurt, most people thought he was going number one overall. I mean, when you were reading off his different, you know, tangibles and some of that talent that he has with his arm, I mean, I'm thinking he's a robot, right? I mean, just he's like Great. picture perfect. Yeah. I think Tyree Kill was in an interview on First Take, and, you know, said he's pinpoint accuracy, you know, does everything, you know, down to a tee. And I mean, that's kind of what you see with Tua, you know, whether that's the way he moves around the pocket, the way that ball comes out and he's is accurate as, AF. I don't know if he's the most accurate quarterback in football, but he's playing for the Dolphins, right, Jake? So that alone makes him the most accurate quarterback. Best quarterback in the league. Yeah. Bet. Yeah, Fair absolutely. Two. Complete. Did you run down? Completed 20, 263 of 388 passes last year, 2,653 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. And you cannot talk about him without talking about him, his ability to run the football, because I think that's kind of, I don't want to say an underrated aspect of his game or, you know, maybe something you want to see the Dolphins utilize more because, you know, then you get into that territory where he could be injured again down the road, but 42 carries, 120 yards, three touchdowns, three and 0 lifetime versus the new England Patriots. I have to make sure I say that because we all know, you know, everyone thought um, Bill Belichick was immune immune and, you know, could find ways to beat these rookie quarterbacks to a ton of a lowest three and O. So we got to make sure we mention that, but, um, I think when you dive into the tape, Jake, at least for me, the rookie season, um, I think some games stuck out a lot more. You know, you saw Arizona, Kansas City. Those games were like, you know, Tua took them over. There's some games this season where Tua played well, but you still want to see more. I mean, you have down here more than three, has not thrown for more than 300 yards once, you know. You
2: just did it once last year, Josh. Okay, yeah. but...
3: So we only threw the ball th- over 300 yards one time against the Jags. So um, you need to see more than that, right? If you want to be a top 12 quarterback in the NFL.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of where the interesting debate about Tua starts is because, I mean, those the stats are so discouraging, Josh. More than two touchdowns just once, four in the loss to the Falcons. He had three games with two touchdowns. Uh, he had two stretches with four interceptions in three games. I mean, that goes after a rookie year, Josh. He had no interceptions through six games his rookie season. So you're just kind of wondering if he's this machine, he's this mechanic why is he throwing it at a linebacker's chest, Josh? And we're, we're going to get to that. But I just want to add, you know, he was sacked less than twice or twice or less. Just just twice that happened. Uh, week 11 went against the Jets and then the Jaguars lost. So there is a lot of tough stuff to unpack here. Those are just kind of the bare bone Josh, uh, bare bone stats, Josh. Wow. I can't talk. Those are the bare bone stats, Josh. But But take me where you want to go. Where do you want to start here?
3: So for me, Jake, I pulled it up. I was looking, you know, trying to go back in tweets and find some of my takes from back there so I could at least be consistent. And I actually did a thread where, I guess, Pro Football Focus, you know, broke down their quarterbacks, did a really good job of it, but I threaded this thing, and they had down as his three best games, Whereas against Jacksonville, Atlanta, and the New York Giants, and his three worst were against the Jets in week 15, the Titans, which, I mean, I think we can all agree that was a pretty brutal game. And then the mm-hmm. New Orleans Saints. So um, I'm not going to go over this, you know, it's different grades, but um, did you hear anything there that kind of stood out? I mean, I think I remember the Jags game, them going toe-to-toe with one another. A game that stuck out, stood out in my mind has always been that Baltimore game, you know, where he didn't practice throughout the week. I think he came in in the second half and, you know, he made some big-time throws. We got a note in that Tennessee game, I think he had his longest throw in his career and it was right on the money. So, um, you know, we sit here and I know a lot of us make excuses and joke. You can't throw in that wet weather, you know, that shitty weather. But he did make a big time throw in that game. So give me your thoughts on this, because um, I don't again, I don't think one of those games stood out like that Arizona game. I mean, is that not the game we always go back to? Yeah,
2: yeah it, Josh, it 100% is just the way they were to, to they move the ball down the field. And I, I think one of the keys here, Josh, is the, the receiving core. I think back then, Preston Williams, he was making plays after the catch. And you, you think about the Dolphins last year, you look at that Tennessee game, it was just kind of. What Tua's great at is consistency. He isn't the greatest at at making uh, chicken salad, if you will. I think in in the Tennessee game, you see a couple people make some drops and then an error from Tua, and and the snowball just kind of picks up. I mean, I don't think we're bashing him if we say, you know, maybe a third and 15, a third and 12, a third and 10 is – The most easy thing for him to accomplish, especially when defenses know to really where they can hone in Uh, that Tennessee game. man. I I do have some concerns and and it's been this way, even with Tannehill about any Dolphins quarterback playing in in just difficult weather and and the struggles that come with it. Uh, I think I remember watching Tua. I think there was one play he. Fake the handoff perfectly, but he goes back to cock it back to throw, and the ball just doesn't go with him. It's a fumble, It goes the other way. So those are the little things that I, I'm still I have to say. You know, I'm concerned, especially when we get into the weather. But you're, you're from Miami, you live in Miami, you play in Miami. We're not going to worry about that too too much. And, and Josh, I think it's inter- interesting the Saints and the Jets. Uh, that Saints team, the Dolphins defense gave them a lot of opportunities, in that offense, man, it just really struggled to get anything going. And then the Jets, the Jets were like the worst team in football, and and that. That's again why you go back to the all right, like Tua. Can you can you show us something that might, you know, might not be what the plan was, but you made something happen. And that's kind of what you were hoping to see maybe in the Jets, maybe against Tennessee. And that just wasn't the case.
3: Yeah, I think one of my favorite things about that New Orleans game, and I can't remember exactly what happened, but I remember Tua turned the football over and then he came right back that next drive. You know, he's hitting Matt Collins. Perfect point, dots, yeah. you know. Drove the team down the field and scored, and you know he does do enough. You know he does have those up and down performances, but he always finds a way to win, and I think that's one of the things you have to love about him. a ranked 28th in big time throw according to this Pro Football Focus um breakdown. I did he was 30th in turnover worthy plays, had a 103 passer rating when the pocket was kept clean, but only 55.3 under pressure, and it had most pressures from the Dolphins, uh, Jesse James and Liam Eichenberg, and. Austin Jackson so you mentioned it Jake I think you say he was only sacked you know more than two times what once or something last season that's crazy thinking about how bad the Dolphins offensive line was so I'm excited to see what happens with Teron Armstead in there Connor Williams you mentioned the Dolphins receiving core you know going back a little bit who'd they have last year I mean Jalen Jalen Waddle and you know he yeah let me awesome- test you
2: let me, let me test you someone might yell at the radio I didn't look this up because I didn't think it was worth it who's number eight there was an 85 on the team last year can you tell me who that was off the top of your head no, no, I'm I'm embarrassed. <laughs> he, probably, he played a couple plays. Good. He played a couple plays against the Patriots, and I think some against the Tennessee. But Josh, we talk about this team all the time, and we can't name one of the receivers. I mean, Mac Hollins, Isaiah Ford was catching passes. I think that's so important to keep in mind when you have a quarterback that's focused on consistency. You don't have receivers that aren't the most consistent, and when one side can't, isn't consistent, neither side is.
3: No, and I just can't wait to see what happens this season again. Mike McDaniel, you got this new coaching staff in place. Tyree Kill's now involved. And that's another thing, Jake. I mean, a lot of people com- continue to compare Patrick Mahomes to a ton of a low. Their average depth of target last year was pretty similar. A uh, ton of a low average 7.2 yards per target and Mahomes only 7.7. So there seems to be this, you know, cloud hanging over the Dolphins. You know, now that Tyree Kill's there, that Tua's not going to be able to utilize him that way. But, um, you know, going back to college, one of the things that Tua does so well is that RPO, hitting those quick slants, and you hit Tyree Kill, you know, on one of those quick slants, it's game over.
1: This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay.
0: Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down... Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void or prohibitive. Here's
3: worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito
2: Josh, there was a play against the Patriots and I'm going to get into this a little bit uh, in a moment or two, but there was a play where uh, on the left side to his blind side, uh, Devontae Parker, one-on-one coverage after Albert Wilson goes in motion. And I think what really excited me about watching that week 18 game is just how comfortable and how it looked like Tua was just having a catch. Just everything was so mechanical. Uh, so he he takes the ball, fakes the RPO. He flips his body. It, it looks so smooth. He turns the hip. Boom. Devonte Parker wide open in that one-on-one coverage on a slant. It gets a first down and it gets you down to like, I, I think it was the 14 yard line or, or somewhere. And you see Parker kind of like hit his hand against the ball a couple of times. It kind of seemed like he wanted a second chance at that. And when we look at what the receiving core now with Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, that one-on-one coverage, the domino effect of Devonte Parker, if he could take that play beat his one guy and go into the end zone. That just changes everything, Josh. There was a third and short on that drive where, uh, you know, Tua found Waddle for the touchdown, but a third and short, you don't make that all of a sudden, it's a field goal. There was a second and one where Duke Johnson was absolutely stuffed. So there are these little things where for Miami's offense to have success last year, everyone needed to be on the same page. Everyone needed to be consistent. And the fact they really didn't have a lot of those guys who could make that one-on-one guy miss, that changes everything in what the team's trying to do because if Tua has to throw the ball four more times on a drive, that's four more plays for the defense to figure out what's happening. How can we negate it? And hey, how can I get in the way and have that ball going right at my chest? So I think that's probably one of my favorite things when we're talking perspective about the Dolphins to really um, you know, focus in on. And Josh also with that, I do need to mention that Upgrading the receiving core, it's going to do make volumes of difference. And you look at that play, if you go look at my Twitter feed, I have the Devontae Parker play. Josh, last year, receivers with 10-plus broken tackles forced in 2021. There were five of them. Tyreek Hill was, in fact, one of them. And that right there, he makes that play. He scores a touchdown. His stats instantly look better. So that's just kind of one example where consistency just kind of raises every boat.
3: Yeah, it's only a matter of time before you know People are complaining and you know saying Tua really isn't that good of a quarterback because now he has these great receivers that can create that yak, yeah. right? I mean that's part of what I'm just getting so excited listening to you talk about. Just thinking about you know, yes they improved the offensive line, yes they improved the wide receivers, but you know the scheme is going to be completely different. I mean, in Mike McDaniel's offense, all that speed they brought in this year. I mean, like you mentioned, those one-on-one matchups, it is truly game over. Going back to the slants, Tua. Targeted those passes 13% of the time last year and had 111.2 passer rating. So, again, I mean, whether it's Jalen Waddle, it. whether it's Tyree Kill, I mean, you find a way to get them the football and it's game over. Um, one other cool thing they had, you know, how many times Tua targeted his top guys. It uh, targeted Waddle 30 times on third down last season, 22 times versus the Blitz, and 15 times in the red zone while well under pressure to a targeted tight end, Mike Kosicki, 19 times that was the most. So, um, again, pretty cool article that uh, Pro Football Focus did all the work. I just kind of uh, did a thread. Maybe I'll retweet it shamelessly, uh, you know, overnight. But, um, you know, whether it's his rookie season from some of those good games, the Arizona game, you know, going toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City to some of those games last year. You know, dr- again, driving down field, New Orleans, coming in in Baltimore finding a way, you know, it's not even his arm so much that a way he finds ways to beat New England and Bill Belichick. I mean, this guy wins games and to think, you know, all the stuff he had hanging over his head, you know, we don't have to see or make excuses. We know the offensive line was dreadful. We know those receivers were dreadful and we know what kind of drama he was dealing with. But I think a lot of people just need to, you know, give him a chance this season. I mean, this is year three. This is a guy that the Dolphins invested a fifth overall pick and they went out there, brought in these weapons. So I think, you know, uh, it's so cliche to say, but we're going to see Tuscaloosa Tua back here and you know we can bring back that let to a cook hashtag Jake because it's time to let this man cook and go out there and utilize those 19 receivers the Dolphins have. You mentioned the Patriots game. He iced that game with two big runs in week 18. And
2: Josh, I found myself wondering like, what is that ideal drive from Tua? And I go to that Patriots game. I look at that opening drive. Everything seemed so comfortable. Nothing seemed like it was really that challenging, but 13 plays for 77 yards. You know, it starts out with an RPO to waddle on a bubble screen. Boom, quick nine yards. He goes right back to waddle on an out uh, route, out route, excuse me. And, Two plays later, bang, an RPO where he hits Mike Gasicki over the middle for a big play, Josh. And a big play for this offense was 13 yards. And I'm just watching this whole thing, and I'm like, wow, you know, the, the play calling is pretty good. Like the, the right guys are getting open. Tua's having the opportunities to find these guys and they're moving it down the field. However, Josh, the running backs averaged 3.4 yards on that drive. Tua made a first down on a QB sneak. Uh, but what I really want to get your thoughts on is how does Mike McDaniel change that? If there were times last year where we didn't like Miami's offensive coordinators, but they were still offensive minds. I mean, you heard people talk about Charlie Fry. These guys weren't idiots, right? They put together a game plan where with the talent around them, they hoped it could be enough just to playing it safe. All these short passes you're praying a receiver makes a play. And they really never did that outside of something like Jalen Waddle. So, the running game was poor. The playmakers report, Josh, how does Mike McDaniel really magnify this offense with, even if the play calling might not be as different
3: as we might expect. If that, does that even make sense? I think Jake the, the biggest thing that again is going to be the speed. You know, you got the fastest running back in football. You got two of the fastest receivers. We know he's bringing in that zone run scheme. I mean, I don't know, man. Back in the day when we had Ryan Tannehill, I always envisioned him having almost a Shanahan offense, you know, where they're heavy running the football, but then use a lot of that play action, a lot of those motions and, you know, misdirection pre-snap. I mean, I, I, I just hate that I just start about Tannehill when talking about Tonga Valoa, but I mean, that's the same <laughs> type of offense you need. You know, you need that RPO to work. You need to be able to have a successful run game. I mean, the average what? Under three, they were white 30th in the NFL last season, I think, in running the football. I mean, mm-hmm. you should hope to improve that just on the zone run scheme alone. I mean, just with these running backs alone. So you bring in that, you get that run game going. I think it's gonna ultimately be the speed and those mismatches, like you mentioned. I mean, who can really cover this offense? I mean, can this defense? I don't even know if our defense can match up. And we got one of the best defenses in all of football, man. I just Think that Mike McDaniel and I always go back to it is his mom, you know, grabbing the credit card, getting all the mutt players and bringing them in here. And he's going to build this juggernaut of an offense. And um, I think a lot of that's going to be speed. And again, that zone run system that we've seen just work time and time again with Kyle Shanahan and that San Francisco team. I think a big thing, Josh, you know, I mentioned it that that drive, Tua was
2: seven for seven, right? He was perfect. Uh, it starts with the RPO to Waddle, right back to Waddle on an out route, play action to his left, hits Waddle on the sideline. Bang, four straight throws to begin the game. Excuse me. Uh there was a QB sneak, but but four five straight plays to Tua. I think what Mike Daniel can bring is, you know, those five runs that were three yards. You Hope that he is a coach who could manufacture with play calling that third and inches play, right? The the second and one that kind of flips the chains over, that allows the dolphins to run the ball a little bit more when you reset the down and distance. It allows you to kind of do a couple different things. So that's kind of one of my big things. Uh, you, you kind of put it into a perspective, uh McDaniel had an offense that passed the ball 59% of the, excuse me, the dolphins had an offense that passed the ball 59% of the time, 10th in the league, San Fran down to 51% was 29th in the league. I'm not going to say it's going to go all the way down to there, but just kind of opening up a few more of those plays, a couple gash runs, all of a sudden he's throwing the ball 54% of the time compared to 59. And, and you would, can't imagine the type of difference that makes in terms of a linebacker figuring out what play is coming because this is all the Dolphins could do that type of thing right where the linebacker can get in front of it even though Tua is making the right read the defense made the right read as well and one more stat I kind of wanted to bring up here Josh is Miami was 16th in time of possession at at right over 30 minutes 30 minutes and 16 seconds I'm curious to see what you think of that and how time of possession is going to be controlled uh in Miami with Tua especially you consider San Fran last year, the down and distance, they were always focusing on running the ball
3: in neutral and ahead situations. Well, Jake, I think that goes back to versatility and what we continue to hear from these coaches, right? Man, every week they're going to game plan different. So, you know, one week they might just want to run the ball and in those situations and others, they might be spreading the defense out and taking advantage of those mismatches. So I think we heard a lot of that last year. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. I know we talked about it on other podcasts, but, you know, last year we heard that they were going to do this. You know, every week it'd be different. We change up our game plan. We utilize these running backs, and these receivers that we have, you know, based on matchups. I don't think any of that ever truly happened. Let's see what Mike McDaniel can do. So, Um, that is what I guess ultimately has me so excited is, you know, bring in a guy that's had success. I mean, Jimmy G, I know a lot of people, I guess, apparently think highly of him, but how many, how many, uh, super bowls have they been to there with Kyle Shanahan, this system with Jimmy G he's been to two, at least right. When, when, uh, when Jimmy
2: G has been healthy during the season, the 49ers were in the NFC title game and the super bowl. So that, that kind of like, you don't need this guy who, you know, you don't need Dan Marino. And, and like, I'm going way off on the end of the spectrum here, but you just need someone to make the throws and Mike, uh, Mike McDaniel. You're hoping a seven yard reception is all of a sudden 11 yard reception, a three yard run is all of a sudden a six yard run. And, and you'll like, it's just going to build up so quickly where the offense is so much more efficient. These big plays gets the offense off the field fast. You talk about soaking up the clock, but at the same time, the longer they're on the field, the longer they're not in the end zone, the longer, the more opportunities to have a hold for a sack, a fumble, and all of a sudden things fall apart on themselves.
3: And I just want to make sure we talk about, you know, when you mentioned Charlie Fry, we mentioned the three-headed monster of an offensive s- staff they had last year. They brought in Frank Smith, you know, this offseason from the Chargers. You know, they brought in Daryl Bevel, who you can go down the list, you know, Russ Wilson, Brett Favre's in there. I mean, you can go down the list of the good sorry, great quarterbacks that he's worked with. So I think a lot of that's going to help Tua. And again, just not having that dark cloud loom over his head. You mentioned how excited you are for the coaching staff, but I think one of the biggest
2: injustices we did with our book club, Josh, we didn't talk about Tron Armstead, uh, that Patriots game for Tua. I mean, he was just so comfortable, his ability to roll out to his left and hit people on demand. Imagine that with a franchise left tackle. I think that's going to be so, so important. And I'm kind of excited to see how that develops because coming out of college and you can see it on the plays where Tua put his shoulder down. What was it? The jets, he put his shoulder down and ran over a guy. I mentioned it, the Patriots game. He had two runs to ice the game. He's not the fastest. He's not the quickest, but his mechanics, the way he does things is so fluid. It's so comfortable. And I think that's just so perfect for what this offense is trying to accomplish because there are going to be opportunities for him to run. And I think he's going to be smart enough to maybe not take those hits, but there's going to be a lot of rollouts. You saw Jimmy G do a bunch of those rollouts. And I just think having someone like Teron Armstead on your corner like that is going to be such a, a sigh of relief, I think.
3: Yeah, Jake, we talked about it earlier, man. 128 yards on the ground. I mean, I don't want to go to the whole Madden perspective, but dude, when you're using two and Madden and you have those open lanes, man, you're taking it. So you kind of want to see mm-hmm. a little bit more of that mobility being used because in today's game, you know, that opens so many things up, you know, what that could do to the passing lanes, you know, maybe just buying a little bit of time rolling out to allow, you know, Tyree kill to break away from the defender, dude, I cannot wait to see that. And, Again, we got to talk about just the way he beat New England, man. You know whether it's the quarterback sneaks like Tom Brady. You mentioned him bulldozing over a defender. You know any other quarterback versus the Jets, you know would have probably slid there. I think there was a video of Herbert going around, you know where he slid short of the pylon. That wasn't our quarterback. Um, again, <laughs> fins against, up, baby, yeah, fins up, baby. Again against the Jets, fifty-two point three two air yards. That uh, that was that touchdown to Matt Collins. Then he had one that went over fifty-five again, quote-unquote, air yards against the Tennessee Titans. So those were his two biggest things. I guess, Jake, you know, people, I'm a huge two-at-homer, but does he have to play better? Absolutely. But to me, he can make every throw. He can move around the pocket like a ballerina, and most importantly, he's a winner. I know in today's age, you know, we want instant success, but it's just not possible. And with Flores, the flirting with Watson, the offensive line, I'm stoked to see what he can do this season. I know on a uh, previous podcast, you know, he threw out some projections that we heard from around the league, but, I was sitting there thinking that maybe 4,000 was too high because, you know, I was kind of assuming he might not play all those games. I think if he plays this entire season, man, getting over 4,000 yards, you know, through the air, 30 plus touchdowns, you know, total, whether it's passing and rushing. I mean, is that crazy to think that Tua could possibly finish in the top 13? I don't think it is. And that's kind of where I see him advancing. And then at that point, you're probably looking at what, paying him Kyler Murray money? (laughs) Except you probably don't need a clause where
2: he has to have study time. <laughs> that to that blows me something away.
3: about golf might be in there though they might not want to play in gator golf every uh off day <laughs> that
2: could that could definitely change things but josh if Tua throws 24 touchdowns compared to 10 interceptions this year nothing else what's the dolphin how many games of do the dolphins win 24
3: touchdowns 10 interceptions um, there's how many games? There's 17 games now, right? I was gonna say mm-hmm. I was gonna say nine and eight.
2: <laughs> I was gonna set the over under at 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 nine and a half, ten and a half. Fred right routed there, and I don't think he has to do too much, and I don't think that's so hard. But again, the concerns—he doesn't have a lot of multi-touchdown games. He doesn't, you know, have those games where he completely aired it out. Uh, Obviously, there's a few, but that consistency, I think we're going to start to see that this year. I'm very excited, Josh, because if you look at the good games, man, it's there. The The perfect scenarios for Tua are there, and I'm excited to see where maybe he doesn't have the best game. You know, that that Saints game, the Dolphins, it was, it was a field goal mess, but now you have Tyree Kill, who, despite Tua having a bad game, he makes that stat line look so much better if he has an 80-yard catch and run for a touchdown. You know what I mean? It just changes everything. It changes the perspective so fast, especially when you're only looking at the stats.
3: We probably should have talked about this beforehand, but where would you rank him among, you know, the quarterbacks since Marino? I know you're not as old as me, but um, I guess I guess projecting, I guess, where you think he is, because to me, I think, you know, when we're all said and done talking about this, I think he's going to be above Tannehill. Right. I think he might be right underneath Marino, but to say he's there right now, when you think about what Pennington did, you know, even in that one year and again, Tannehill, I, I don't know, where would you rank him? Dude, I
2: was thinking about imagine us trying to podcast when Jay Fiedler was the quarterback and it's kind of the same thing. Like the defense was leading them to a winning record. Is he the guy because he makes the winning plays standing with Fiedler, that type of thing? Oh, man, though, that that's a good question. Um, I'd probably go somewhere along the lines of, of Pennington's tough because of longevity, despite that being a very fun year. Um, uh, what? Am I wrong to say uh, maybe maybe Feeder one, uh, Tannehill two on that list, oh, yeah, and then that, everyone
3: else? Yeah, that was pretty disrespectful to Feeder. I kind of forgot all about him.
2: <laughs> I'd say it's like those two. I, I'd say that uh, man that Tannehill the the first couple of years were kind of tough. I'd still put Tannehill ahead of her right now. Of course, it's two seasons compared to what seven something like that. Uh, but but the opportunity is there, man. The, the bar
3: isn't that high. <laughs> no, and I think you know you don't want to sit here and say that okay, we've had it this bad. So, you know, try to see the bright, the good in this, but I think we do need to just wait and see what Tua does this year. Because again, with everything that the dolphins have done, they built this thing around him for the first time in three years. So it's his now or never. Right. Josh
2: now is always never. And never is always now that that's how we're going to end the book club. As Alice Cooper once said, school's out for the fall. I think that's the line he says, but guys, this is it. We finished the book club. The preseason is here training camps here and we're going to try to come at you guys with as many podcasts as we can so be sure you're hitting that subscribe button and if you're really enjoying the show and you want to give us a review that helps people always find the show and you know you heard us talking about at the top we went on twitter we we like being part of this community and, and we like to see our community grow mostly because we have fun talking to you guys so thank you everyone for listening we're excited to see qb1 back in action this year and above all else joshua above all else